Um, how many of you have small kids? How many had small kids at one time? Yeah, there we go. Okay. That's about everybody. Okay, we just about got everything. How many of you have come up with, can you remember times that you try to come up with cute little things because of small children to try, well, here's a, here's a story for you. There was a mom that, that they were trying to train their little boy to, uh, to be potty trained. And it was that time where he started to recognize when he had to go to the bathroom. And so he began to tell, you know, people, you know, rather loudly, I've got to go pee-pee. And, uh, you know, and, and mom just would get embarrassed by that. So mom took him aside and said, listen, you know, when you have to go pee-pee, don't yell that out. Say that you have to sing. And um, kind of ties into what we're talking about here. But <laughs> but I said I, that I have to sing. So he got in the habit of saying when he had to go pee-pee, he had to sing. Well, anyway, grandpa takes him to the movie one day. And uh, grandpa doesn't know anything about this little thing that they got worked out with mom. So the boy's sitting in the movie theater going, Grandpa, I have to sing. And he goes, no, you can't sing in here. It's a movie. Just be quiet, sit still, and watch the movie. He goes, a couple minutes later, grabbing Grandpa. Grandpa, I, I have to sing. He goes, you can't sing in here. Be quiet and watch the movie. You can sing later. He said it one more time. He says, Grandpa, I have to really sing. And so finally, Grandpa, not knowing what to do, he, he whispers down to him and says, listen, if you have to sing, just go ahead and sing in Grandpa's ear. <laughs> So, and I can see Junior's face. I can see Grandpa's face. And I can hear the stories that they told afterwards. But uh, see, you know what? We get in a whole bunch of trouble when we, when we try to come up with cute little things, don't we? You know, and we've got to deal with the problem of lying. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about it. And uh, the last time we met, we began to examine this problem. And... Um, I read a book recently, and I want to share some of its findings with you. It's interesting. It was a book that was entitled, The Day America Told the Truth. And um, what they discovered is there's a very serious problem with lying in America. And, and I just want to read an excerpt from it because it's fascinating. It says, Americans lie. They lie more than we ever thought possible before the study, before they told us the truth about how much they lie. <laughs> is there a problem here? you got a little credibility problem here. But uh, so no, but they told us the truth about how much they lie. I guess that's the one area that we can tell the truth if nobody knows anything about it. But it says that just about everyone lies. 91% of us lie regularly. So the majority of us find it difficult to get through a week without lying. One in five can't make it through a single day, and we're talking about conscious, premeditated lies. In fact, the, the way some people talk about trying to do without lies, you'd think they were smokers trying to get through a day without a cigarette. It says, when we refrain from lying, it's less often because it's wrong. Only 45% of those who were surveyed in this particular study thought that lying was wrong. That's why they wouldn't do it. Uh, the rest uh, felt that they wouldn't lie for a variety of reasons, among them being fear of being caught. It says, we lie to just about everyone, and the better we know someone, the likelier we are to lie to them or tell them a serious lie. Of course, there are white lies and trivial fibs and the lies we tell to spare someone's feelings, like... Bill mentioned, I talked to him this week, he said, why do women always say when they see a newborn baby, what a cute baby? I mean, you know what I mean? What are you going to say? Man, I sure hope that goes away. <laughs> you know, or at least I could say, it looks just like his dad. <laughs> you know, maybe there's ways you could say it. You know, you got to rephrase it. But, you know, let's face it, there's, you know, the only cute ones are yours. And that's because you have to say that. Otherwise, it's... 
you know, you kind of start feeling like real bad about yourself. But, um, but you know, stuff like that, despair people's feelings. Then there are serious falsehoods. So let's see, there are white lies, trivial fibs, lies to spare someone's feelings. Then there are the serious falsehoods, and 36% of Americans confess to telling that kind of darker lie, which several people refer to as real lies. Those are the real lies. So they asked them to define a serious lie. Said so number one, they fell into four categories. One, serious lies are those that hurt other people. Number two, serious lies violate a trust. Serious lies involve crime or legal consequences. And the fourth one was serious lies are totally self-serving, are about who and what we are, masking the real truth. Everyone lies, but some people lie much more than others. Okay, then they had it broken out into who gets lied to the most. And this would be interesting. Who do you think gets lied to the most? Parents. How many say parents? Very good. Parents get lied to the most. All right. What's interesting to me is, I don't care how old you are, but how many of you, older folks, still lie to your parents? <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. No, we're really getting along well. You know? No, things are great. You're right. No, you know, you were wrong from the beginning. The guy's not a bum. We're getting along just well. You know, we, you know, there are older people that still lie to their parents. Why? Well, maybe it's because they're trying to spare their feelings. Uh, maybe it's because, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a habit. Maybe you've just grown up in an environment where you've played games with, other, with each other so long that you continue to do it. I know older people that still lie to their older parents. So it's just not a thing with kids, although kids lie to their parents the most. But the bottom line was that parents get lied to the most. Who do you think would get lied to second the most? Okay, spouses. How many say spouses? They're, they're definitely on the list. They're a little further down. Who do you think is lied to next? What's that? Are you a police officer? <laughs> no, just seriously, are you? Oh, you're not. Have you lied to one recently? <laughs> I feel free now. I'm just, you know, oh, I'm freed up now. I admitted that. But police officers, let's see, they're not on the list. They're not even on the list. Teachers are on the list. Okay, the second, the second most person lied to are friends. Ooh. Ooh, look around the room again. <laughs> then spouse, then boss, then your children. We lie to our kids. Why? I don't know. We're trying to teach them something good, I guess. Co-workers, neighbors. Um, and then it goes on. Okay, now who do you think that lies to us most often? Lawyers. Lawyers are on the list. Isn't that a shock? 42% of the people in the survey agreed that their lawyer has lied to them at some point in time. Ooh. But, but we got to get, you know, they're down on the list though, so. But they are on the list. Let's not forget that. Okay. And, you know, conspicuously absent from this list are heating and air conditioning contractors. They're not even on the list. They are not on the list. They're not on the list. Yeah, they are not on the list. Car salesmen. Politicians. Yeah, see, they're all on the list. Sunday school teachers. Nah, they're not on the list either. Particularly Sunday school teachers who are heating and air conditioning contractors <laughs> are not on the list. What's that? Parents are on the list. 
Well, in that case, I qualify as a friend, a child, a co-worker, a sibling, a lover, a spouse, a parent, a boss, a best friend. No, I don't qualify for that. What was that? What was that crack? I, I heard something. Was it worth repeating? Not at all. The person sitting with her going, oh, please. It's not worth repeating. Okie dokie. All right. Well, that's kind of interesting. I think that's fascinating. I like this, though. It says, as further confirmation of America's distrust of authority, 32% think they've been lied to by a clergyman and their accountants, and 42% believe they've been lied to by their attorneys. 66% of Americans today believe there's nothing wrong with telling a lie. Only 31% of us believe that honesty is still the best policy. Pretty interesting study. And you know what? It's fascinating, too, because someone sent me this. I've got to share it with you. I, I had it blown up and put on a thing, but this is pretty interesting. It's the Clintonometer. The Clintonometer, in case you were wondering what it is, it's the Clintonometer. I like this. It's, uh, it's uh, as you can picture, it's uh, from Bill Occhio. He says, we cut those cuts, or we're already spent them, or I'm sure after now, almost five weeks, that there are more spending cuts coming. See, and then there's the little white lie, the half-truth, the fish store, the baloney, and the whopper. And uh, the Clintonometer is uh, out there. I'm sure it'll be on an ongoing basis. But... Uh, I like his, uh, his White House spokesman. Well, I'm sure that what the president had, but he had no specific cuts in mind and no schedule for making them. <laughs> so I don't know what he said, but whatever he said, he didn't really mean what he said. And we'll go ahead and make sure you understand that there isn't anything specific that was said. He just said something. So anyway, I thought that was pretty fascinating uh, as, as we look at the whole problem of lying in our society. And it's become, it's just so commonplace. It's ridiculous anymore. It's like, did you say that? You know, no, I didn't say that. Well, yes, you did, but I didn't mean that. Well, what did you mean? It just depends. What did you think I meant? <laughs> did you think I mean, oh, well, that's why you have a problem. You thought I meant that. That's not really what I meant. Well, what did you mean? Well, I'd rather not say. <laughs> well, why not? Because, gee, people are paying attention to what I'm saying. And they're actually writing it down. So anyway, we, we've uh, started to deal with the problem of lying. Last week we saw what the, the causes of lying. This week we're going to take a look at some characteristics. I mean, it's just basic stuff that, um, that the Bible has to say. And, and, and this is interesting to me because what better place to turn to than the Bible to find answers as far as truth is concerned? And it's interesting also that as we confront one another, we challenge each other to do this. Hey, you know what? Well, if you really mean that, why don't you put it in writing? Isn't that fascinating? No, if you really mean that, oh, if you're really going to pay me that or you're really going to do that, if that's the deal we have, you know what? Would you mind putting it in writing? And uh, God says, no, I don't mind putting it in writing. In fact, that's what I've done. That's what the Bible is all about. It's everything that God wants us to know put in writing so that we can continue to challenge him as to whether or not what he says is true. And he is not like man that he should lie. We saw last week that with God it's impossible for him to lie. So the wonderful thing to me is I can turn to the Bible, I can open it up, I can read it, and realize that it's impossible for God to lie. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change what he says is truth. What's true yesterday is true today and will be true for all of eternity. And what he says about the future is true. What he said about the past that's come true at a future date uh, is also true. Everything he says is true. And he put it all in writing. So I don't have any hesitancy at all to pick this up, to open it, to read it, to study it, to share it with you, because I know without a shadow of a doubt that what God says is true. And as a result, we can represent Him quite well in our society by saying, this is what God says, this is truth. And the truth, according to the Word of God, also sets us free. 
And there's nothing better than living a life knowing that we have freedom because of what God says. If we do what He says, that the promises will come true. If we do what He says not to do, then the consequences are there as well. And there's tremendous freedom in that. And so we're going to take a look at some consequences. So last week we saw why we lie. Today we're going to take a look at the characteristics. And it has to do with just very simple statements that God has to make about the whole problem of lying. If you've got your Bibles, look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, and we'll take a look at the first characteristic that we find in the Bible about lying. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we read this. It says, There are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, there are seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among the brothers. Interesting. There are six, but seven things that are an abomination to God. Three of them, if you look at it, involves the use of our tongue. It says he hates a lying tongue. He hates a false witness who utters lies. He hates those who spread rumors or gossip among the brothers or strife. And uh, we're going to take a look at that in, in our next, uh, next session as far as gossip is concerned. But there's three things that God hates. And so he just makes a flat-out statement about it. And it doesn't get any clearer than this. If somebody asks you, what is God, what's God's uh, uh, viewpoint on lying? It's very simple. God hates lying. He hates it. It's very clear. David writes in Psalm 116, 11, he says, I has, I've said in haste that all men are liars. One man commenting on this particular psalm, uh, D- Dr. W.I. Carroll says, David said in haste that all men are liars. I've had a long time to think about it, and I still agree with him. All men are liars. Psalm 122, he writes, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying tongues and a deceitful tongue. You know, David knew what it was to live a lie. He knew what it was to have that dark part of his life exposed. He knew what it was like to have lived a lie in his relationship with Bathsheba and all that went around along with it, from sending Uriah, her husband, to the front lines to be killed and all that took place. And he knew what it was like to live a lie. He knew the whole story. He knew everything behind it because he had lived it and he had gone through it and he knows the darkness that's attached to it and the consequences that went along with it. And he says, God, just deliver me from a lying tongue. I know how much trouble a lying tongue can get me in. Psalm 51.6, as he confessed this sin before God, he writes, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know your wisdom. See, as he was broken before God, he realized one thing that had to be true of his life, and that is what you saw on the outside had to be the same as what was taking place on the inside. And if what you saw on the outside wasn't right before God because of something going on on the inside of your life, then you had to confess that and turn from that and walk from it and ask God to free you from it. And I've got a feeling that many of us are in that same situation where the inside of our hearts and our life is not right with God and we're living a lie. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But David knew the problems that it caused. And he also recognized the most important thing in his life was, God, what you see in my heart is the most important thing, the most important characteristic about my life. 
what you know in my thought life, what you know in my heart, the things that I struggle with, that I wrestle with, the things that I tell other people, while they may not understand or they may not even know that it was a lie, God, you know it's a lie. You know what I just said was a lie. You know what I just did was a lie. You know everything that this other person doesn't know. We can blow smoke at one another from now until all of eternity. And God knows our hearts. And we're not playing games with anybody but God. See, we all live this facade. But God says, you know what? I hate it. I hate lying. I hate everything about it. It's interesting, though. God also says in Malachi that he hates divorce. But 60% of our culture have embraced divorce and don't see it as a problem anymore. And see, what happens is when something becomes so embraced by our culture, then we somehow or another start to believe that it's no big deal. See, so what's the big deal about lying if we all do it, if 91% of Americans lie? What's the big deal about lying? And if I'm doing it to spare somebody's feelings or if I'm doing it if it's a white lie and if I'm doing it because it's baloney and if I'm doing it because it's you know, a whopper or a fish store, if I'm doing it as exaggeration, then what's the big deal about that? Because really, I mean, you know, is that really a lie? And so we get to the point where it's like it's not a problem anymore. And we begin to embrace it as part of our, our lifestyle and who we are and what we represent. And God says, wait a minute, don't, don't misunderstand something. I haven't changed on this issue. I hate lying. I've hated it from the beginning, as we saw the problems that it caused, the fall of man from the beginning, who Satan is our deceiver and our liar and a murderer from the beginning and deceived and lied and caused all the problems that every one of us face now. God says, I hate it because I know what it's created and I know what it's caused and I know the price that I have to pay to redeem you from all the problems that it's created. I know the problem of lying and I hate it. And he just lays it all out. It doesn't get any clearer than this. But you know what's fascinating to me is some of us don't think it's that big a deal. What's the big deal? And when you're confronted about lies in your life, you know what you do? You get angry about it. And you justify it. Or you talk in circles around it. And you don't admit what you're, what you're busted on. You're right. I lied. Gosh, I didn't even realize it. I don't know why I did it, but I did it. And you were right. You confronted me. You were right. I lied. No, we don't do that. We get defensive. We get angry. We make other people think that they're the problem and not us. You know, and we just walk all around it and dance all around it. But we're missing the point, and that is God hates it. And he's not going to change his mind on it. He hates lying. And uh, we need to understand that. Because an interesting thing goes along with it. If you've got the book of Proverbs open, look at Proverbs chapter 12 for a second. There's a very interesting problem that goes along with this whole problem of lying. And look at verse 22, Proverbs 12:22. You know, it's fascinating to me. I mean, if God hates it, you'd think that'd be enough for us to stop doing it. I mean, do you ever do something that you're like when you're growing up that you know your parents hated? I mean, they tell you, don't do that. I hate that. That's a good idea not to do that, huh? How many of you know from experience? How many of you have ever done something like that you know your spouse like just hates? Huh? Okay, let me ask you this way. How many of you are doing things right now that you know your spouse hates? All right? I mean, it's weird. I mean, it could be anything, right? It could be leaving your underwear, you know, lying on the floor somewhere. Or, you know, the toilet seat up. I don't know. Or, or uh, you know, I sit and I watch, you know, sports and I go, I just sit there and just go, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, stop biting your nails. I hate that. Then you got to struggle, don't you? There's like a conflict that takes place within your heart. All right, I know she hates it. I know what weapon to use next time I want to get under her skin. Or I don't want to listen to her tell me how much she hates it, so I think I, I'll just stop doing it. See, we struggle with that, right? Well, God says, I hate that. Would you please stop doing that? Well, now we know, well, geez, he hates it. Do we keep doing it? Don't we do it? You know, if you want to get under God's skin, 
<laughs> if you want to do that, go ahead and lie. Oh, oh, but before you do that, consider this. Lying lips, Proverbs 12:22. lying lips are what? An abomination to the Lord. But those who deal faithfully are His delight. Okay? Second characteristic. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. What's it mean for something to be an abomination to the Lord? It's really fascinating. Every time that you see that word in the Bible, it always refers to judgment. Isn't that interesting? Think about this now for a second. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. Right? Two, two ways to live your life. And that's what the contrast is here. Lying is abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. So, here's the way I just look at it very simply. Lying ticks him off enough that he's going to judge you. But if you tell the truth, you'll please him and you'll be a delight to him. So it either goes along with upsetting him or pleasing him. Those are the only two choices. When you lie, you upset him to the point where he will judge you. When you tell the truth, it is pleasing to God and he honors you for it. Those are the only two choices. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Only two choices. You're either going to tell the truth or you're going to lie. There's no in-between. It doesn't say, you know, somewhere in here, the little category of, but light, white lies don't bug them a whole bunch. Or, you know, fish stories or exaggeration is no big deal. It's one or the other. You're either a liar or you're not. You're either displeasing to God, thus judgment, or you're pleasing to God and He'll honor you. That's fascinating to me. It's very simple. An abomination. You're, you're going to be judged. You're going to live a lie. You're going to get judged by God. I don't know. Between Him hating it and judging me for it, those are two real good reasons for me to stop doing it. Now, I don't know what it's going to take for you, but that's good enough for me. And as we go through it, when we look at the consequences, maybe you'll see it. Here's an interesting insight as well. Turn with me uh, for a moment to uh, Proverbs 17.4. Proverbs 17.4. Liars listen to, according to the Bible, destructive talk. Proverbs 17.4. They listen to destructive talk. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. I, I, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting insight into the problem of lying and what liars are all about. God says that, you know, if you're a liar, here's how we can tell you're a liar. Is that you'll enjoy listening to destructive talk about other people. You'll enjoy listening to it. Not only will you enjoy listening to it, but you'll encourage it. And once you hear it, you can't wait to then go out and share it. And it's interesting insight into the problem of lying. And there's a crossover there between liars and gossip or slanders, but there's such a confined connection that God says, you know what? A lying person will listen to destructive talk and they enjoy it. They don't try to stop it. How many of you encourage that type of conversation? See, people committed to the truth will challenge statements made by others. If you're committed to the truth and someone says something to you, you're going to ask them some questions. Now, wait a minute. Now, did you hear him say that yourself? Did you hear someone else say they heard him say that? Or did someone else that told you that they heard it said by someone else that someone else said it that someone else said it? Can you just kind of follow this for a minute? I mean, we've all had conversations like this. 
You know what? And what you have to do is just say, wait a minute. Did you hear him say that or her say that to you? And while you're here, would you mind? This is, this is, you know, this is unbelievable. Would you mind if we called him or her while you're here? In fact, I think this is something that we need to bring them over and have this conversation with everybody here. And uh, see, that's why, you know, we, we grow up as kids and we know how to make the system work. Dad, mom said, mom, dad said, well, if dad said, well, yeah, dad said, mom said, oh, okay, well, if dad said it's okay, then it's okay with mom. Mom, dad said it's okay, since it's okay with you. Well, if he said it's okay, and we got this thing going, we know how to do this. And what happens is, best way to do it is, just get everybody in the same room together one time. Whoa, whoa. There goes the whole system there. And, and we need to do the same thing. We need to challenge one another. Okay, well, let's, let's just find out if that's true. Not that I don't believe you, but I believe that we all struggle and have a problem with lying because the Bible teaches that. And we need to hold each other accountable and we need to challenge one another. And the best way to do it is let's just bring everybody that's involved and let's get this worked out. How many of you have ever done that? Oh, well, I would suggest that you, you start doing it. Because what it will do is, if the person's telling you a lie, or if they've embellished or exaggerated the story to make it more interesting, because obviously life in itself isn't interesting enough, if they've added something to it to spice it up a little bit, it'll be a great chance for them to retract the spicy portion of it and get the story straight. And by the time they straighten it all out, by the time you're done with it, you won't even have to have a meeting because there's nothing left to discuss. What a wonderful thing that would be to challenge each other to be people that stand for the truth. And if you're not going to tell me the truth, I don't want to hear it. And if you're going to tell me the truth, but I'm not involved in it, then that goes into what we'll discuss as far as gossip, and I don't really care. If I'm not part of the problem and I'm not part of the solution, then I don't even care to know about it. And uh, you know, even if it's to pray about it, <laughs> please. You know what I mean? So it's like we need to challenge one another. And by the way, it's not a fun thing to do. Don't expect it to be a real joyous thing. Well, thank you for challenging me on that. Because you know what? I just lied through my teeth. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You really love me. I mean, think about it for a second. Isn't that... I mean, don't expect somebody to say that. It's interesting. I've got, uh, we've got a friend who is committed, and, uh, and she shared this with me the other day. She, from, from, for whatever reasons, her background or whatever, um, she's had a tendency to embellish her stories. Which is a nice way of saying she just stinking lies all the time. <laughs> and she has got to the point where she would, as she begins to say something, if it's not true, she catches herself. And that's great. Judge yourself before God steps in to judge you. And she'll say, man, I don't, what I, what I just said was a lie. I don't even know why I said it. But, you know, at least I'm, I'm learning the difference between truth and lying. And, and I just want to let you know, I just lied to you. It's really fun having a friend like that, you know. It's, it's like you're always waiting for, you know. Yeah, okay, I'm glad that everything was the truth there. But, uh, but that's the problem. We need to challenge one another, and we need to be men and women who tell the truth. And if you don't, catch yourself before somebody else finds out. Very simple. You, you lie to somebody, then just call them and tell them. Or catch yourself right in the middle of your conversation. I just lied to you. That was a stupid thing. I don't even know why I said it. And, uh, you know, man, I'm sorry that I did that. But I'm really working on being committed to be truthful. Hey, I, I, I don't know about you, but that would be refreshing to have people in your life that are committed to the truth. 
and are willing to judge themselves before they get caught because they're going to. Number four. Interesting insight also, as far as the whole problem of lying, is that the Bible says it's worse than being poor. You know, it's really funny in our culture, man, you think the worst thing that can happen to somebody is being poor, losing all your stuff. God says, man, there are a lot of things worse than being poor. And one thing is to be a liar in the, face, in the, in the sight of God. Proverbs 19.22, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. An interesting contrast. What is desired in a man or a woman is kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. See the contrast there? A kind person does not lie. And how many of us lie because we're trying to spare the feelings of another person, thinking that we're being kind to them by lying to them? See, God has a whole different definition of kindness. A kind person does not lie. Now, when we're talking about the baby thing, I mean, there's some good insight here as to how to become more sensitive as we share with one another the truth. You know, you know just being, and, and I'm, I've still got a long way to learn, go on this one, but, you know, learning to be sensitive and still share the truth. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, no, you know what, what a beautiful baby. I mean, you've got to come up with ways in your own mind that you can say that and it would be right before God. What a beautiful baby. Created in the image and likeness of God. What a beautiful baby. God made this child. There's beauty there. It's not just what we see. And so that's not being a liar. That's becoming sensitive to the truth from God's, God's vantage point. Or if you're, not, if you're not that far along in the process, you just say, yep, that's a baby. <laughs> yep, what a baby. Yeah, that's a baby. You know? And you don't have to say, man, it looks like a gorilla. You know? <laughs> that just got dragged through a car wash, you know? You know? You don't have to say stuff like that. Now, we're all learning to be sensitive to one another, and we need to understand that. And, and uh, God says, you know, it's, it's kind. God, God wants us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, being gentle to each other. Kindness is not lying to people. See, if you're kind to a friend, you don't lie to your friend. How can you say you love a friend and lie to him? That's not kindness. You know what it is? It's an insult of their integrity. It's an insult of their intelligence. It's, it's an insult of your friendship. It's a destructive thing. So God says, look, you're either going to be kind and tell the truth and be sensitive, or you're going to be a liar. And those are the two choices that we have. And he says, you know what? You're better off being poor, having nothing, and being an honest person than being a liar with everything that this world has to offer. We need to become men and women who are committed to integrity and character once again. And that's some of the characteristics of lying. You know, it's interesting too. Lying also comes in the form of boasting. Now, this is kind of fascinating. Lying comes in the form of boasting. Proverbs 25, 14 says this. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. I like this. Now, Dizzy Dean, who was a, one of the greatest pitchers that ever played in the major leagues, used to say this. He said, it ain't lying if you've done it. Now, that may be a whole different problem of pride and arrogance, uh, but it's not the problem of lying or boasting. If you've done it, it isn't lying. You know, you, you see what he's saying? If it's truth, it's not lying. But there's a line that we cross over where it leaves truthfulness and now enters into a lie. 
And we need to understand where that line is. But he says in Proverbs 27, 1 and 2, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. What's he saying? There's a tendency to pretend to be what we are not. There's a tendency to be what we are not. There's a tendency to project an image to others, even though that's who we are not. One of the greatest examples is things like things called resumes. The other night, I think it was, what was it? It was a 48 hours did a thing on the problem of lying. It was an interesting vantage point on, uh, from a secular point of view on the problem of lying. But one gal was quoted and she said, show me an actress who hasn't lied on her resume and I'll show you a waitress. <laughs> and that's how she justified lying on her resume about all the experience and the things that she, have done, she had done and all the experience that she had. And the, the, the point is, it's like, you know, there's a tendency on our part to build ourselves up into something that crosses the line from truth to lying. I've got a friend in ministry who I, 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 I'm familiar with his background and, and was involved in, 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 the, in, a, in a business setting with him. And everything that was, that was presented about him as an individual was a lie. From, the, from what I knew of the business, having been involved, having seen it, the successful businessman who sold everything to, to become, you know, to go into full-time Christian service. What a noble-sounding thing. But reality was, God got him into ministry because he continually refused to go into ministry. So he got to the point where he was almost bankrupt and someone had to come in and bail him out. And that's how he ended up in ministry. But the point is, God, God wanted him in the ministry and he did whatever he had to do to get him in the ministry... But instead of telling it the way it was, everything that you read and see was, oh, this successful entrepreneur that gave up all his worldly this and that and sold everything that he had to go into full-time Christian service. And I'm sorry, but I just go, ah, that's a lie. I don't care how good it sounds and I don't care what the introduction is, that's not true. And we need to understand that. We like to blow smoke at each other to the point where we cross the line in being truthful before others and before God. And we need to stop doing that kind of stuff. Man, I've heard people give introductions when I've gone to speak. By the time they're done introducing me, I think, man, I can't wait to hear them speak. <laughs> then I realize it's me. I go, whoa, who was that? You know, and it's like just our way in this world of selling one another to make it more, I don't know, acceptable by the audience, uh, make it more uh, I don't, special to, to be there, to make it more credible. I don't know what it is, but it's a bunch of garbage is what it is. Just tell the truth. The truth will set you free. Hey, if you're here because God wants you here, it's not because somebody blew smoke about who's going to be speaking. If it's true, it's true. But we've got to be careful about crossing the line over into telling a falsehood, lying about it. It's a dangerous thing. And God says, you know what? One of the characteristics of lying comes in the form of boasting. We build ourselves up into something that we never were. And the scary thing about it is, by the time we're done telling everybody about it, we start to believe it ourselves. I've been reading in the newspaper about this couple in, in uh, South Orange County. And, uh, you know, the socialites with the, this contribution to that and this society and that one and all the stuff. And it was really fascinating that somebody making $50,000 a year was, was spending $3 million a year. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a math major or anything. <laughs> but, 
there seems to be a problem there, you know. And, uh, and so it came to light. But what happens, and what's amazing to me is, you read the newspaper and it says, socialites want to know, who squealed? <laughs> what kind of world do we live in that somebody would tell on these people? This is sickness. What's amazing, and here's a, this, I mean, this guy, I can't even believe that he would say this and be responsible on a board of directors for, well, you know, I can actually just read this because it's public news. They're high society snitches working off of beef. Oh, my. The guy who said this was on a board of directors that benefited in a tremendous way from the money that was donated to this board that he represented. And can you believe that? That just disgusts him that someone would tell on these people. I just, it just is amazing to me. What's wrong with us? Snitches. All their friends are ticked off, someone told. But, gee, I wonder why. These same friends had joined them in now famous generosity. All expense paid trips to Paris, dinners at the fanciest restaurants, Chanel and Judith Liber or Lieber handbags that cost twice what most people's monthly mortgage is. These people were upset. Their friends got caught. Snitches. Oh, grow up. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Problem is, you live a lie and you tell a lie long enough, you start to believe it. I know people that tell lies and they really believe what they're saying. Oh, yeah, I used to play college ball. Really? What college? Well, well, I was uh, back east. Well, hey, I grew up there. I know the schools. What school? <laughs> oh, is this a little school up in the mountains somewhere in the South Pacific? Oh, you know what? I, went, I even went to a couple of those little schools on recruiting trips. I mean, they were like nowhere, man. 63 VW Bug. We didn't think we'd get there, but we went on down the highway. What school was it? <laughs> well, it's not really important. Oh, it is to me. Right now it is. <laughs> It's real important to me. may not be to you, but it's real important to me. What's wrong with us? Man, just, man, what is wrong with us? Too many of us think, you know, if people really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me anymore. Oh, good thing you hide it so well. But, uh, you know, hey, look, there are parts of all of us that we're not happy about. There are, there are things in every one of our lives that we're not happy about. But people think somehow or another that if we lie and we put on an image that we'll be more acceptable. Let me tell you something. If people care about how much money you make or they care about what kind of resume you have or they care about what your education is or if they care about what position you have if they care about what your parking space says, if they care about what car you drive, then they're about the most shallow people in the world and why in the world would you want to spend much time with them as a friend anyway? Because I want people who care about me. The most refreshing thing in the world is to be around someone who is real, who is transparent, who what you see is what you get. There's something so refreshing about that in such a phony world that we live in. And the wonderful thing is, it's, it's sometimes it's sad to even think about that we as Christians fall into the same trap. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, God-given reality is far more interesting than anything that we can invent. God-given reality is far more interesting than anything that you and I can invent about ourselves. Stop living a lie. And that's why I want to close on this last point because it's probably the most challenging and penetrating question that we need to ask ourselves. And that is, you know what lying is? Lying is failing to live what we say we believe. 
Lying is failing to live what we say we believe. That's what it is in a nutshell. Failing to live what we say we believe. That's what lying is. It's interesting because many of us live a lie. I like I talked to a friend recently who uh, was referring to an event that had taken place not too long ago and he said, you know, if what we do know about one another is enough to convict us, then in addition, what we don't know certainly would get us the death penalty. Isn't that fascinating? Follow that through. If what we do know about one another is enough to convict us, in addition, what we don't know certainly is enough to give us the death penalty. Challenging thought. 1 John 1, 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. See, our character is what we are in the dark. When no one knows, no one else is around, that's what we really are. Our reputation is what people think we are. See, but God knows our character. He sees our heart. He knows everything about you. He knows the games that we play. He knows the image we try to project. He knows all that stuff that we're trying to pass off to one another. But God knows everything about you. And it's, his, and it's your character, that part of you that only God knows about, that's important to God. That's who we really are, not who others think we are. I want to close with a couple of thoughts. I just finished reading Billy Graham's latest book called Storm Warning. And I want to close with a couple of thoughts that are very penetrating to me, and I think they will be to you, as it pertains to the society that we find ourselves in that so engrossly uh, distorts the truth. And he writes this, One of the primary reasons young people reject Christ and follow after the writer of deception and the lies that we Christian and the New Age and cultic allies are half-truths, easy answers, and lies that we Christians have sometimes told in our attempts to sell the faith. Says, I've listened to too many sermons, read too many Christian books, and seen too many Christian films with happily ever after endings. Some even declare that if you become a Christian, you get rich or you will always be successful, and this is simply a lie and it's false teaching. Says, in our attempts to share the faith, some have given the impression that once a person has accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, his, his or her problems will be over. This is simply not true. In fact, it is often quite the opposite. Becoming new in Christ is a wonderful beginning, but it isn't the end of pain or problems in our lives. It is, in the, beginning, it is the beginning of facing up to them. Being a Christian involves a lifetime of hard work, dedicated study, and difficult decisions. Christ did not teach that a life of faith would be easy, but he did teach that the reward for endurance would be great. The lie of the false gospel. The lie of hypocrisy. Often the outsider can see through our facades. He calls it hypocrisy. He has heard the stories of Christian churches that have been divided by anger and hatred. He knows about the deacon who left his wife to run away with the church organist. He knows how some of the Sunday morning faithful spend Saturday night. He knows that Christian believers too are human, yet we work to keep that secret hidden. 
We sometimes see Christian books about celebrities who are supposedly converted to the faith. All too often, after the book is released, our celebrity Christian is caught in a front-page scandal. We produce films about the wonderful change Christ makes in a couple facing tragedy. Then, as so often happens on these occasions, just as the film is released, the same couple announces they're getting divorced. Ministers, deacons, Christian leaders, celebrities are all vulnerable to sin. Why can't we simply face up to these problems openly and deal with them without ever excusing them? It says, as long as we remain in these mortal bodies, none of us will ever be perfect. None of us, none of us lives without occasional sin and failure, and it's hypocritical to pretend otherwise. At the same time, however, and this is important to understand, at the same time, however, we must never grow complacent about sin or simply say, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. The Bible commands us, but just as He called you as holy, so you also are to be holy. The Bible does speak of forgiveness. The Bible does speak of repentance. The Bible does speak that we as Christians are going to have problems and we're going to fail. But the Bible does not condone it as a level at which to live our lives. It calls us to move on forward and to live lives that are holy and pleasing before God. So some of us are going to struggle with lying, but that's no reason to be content with it because everybody else does it. He says, stop doing it. And he died, and he sent his son to die for us so that he can spare us from the punishment of that sin, and he can also free us up from the sin that, that engrosses us or entangles us. We have the ability as new people in Christ to live lives that are truthful lives if we choose to do so. Stop being content to be liars. Stop being content to be hypocritical. And the last thing that he shares is the problem of a conflicting lifestyle. We say one thing, we live a whole other life. He says, consider the crisis of promiscuity, teen pregnancy, abortion raging through the land. Consider the growing problems of date rape, drug use, alcoholism, pornography, sadomasochism, even among elementary age children. I recently read the report of an 11-year-old boy who was being charged with the sexual abuse and sodomy of a 4-year-old girl. He learned about such things through a dial-a-porn phone number given to him by a friend in Sunday school. He said, I've heard also reliable reports that immorality is just as epidemic in our churches. He said one recent poll claimed that 40% of young people in Bible-believing churches are sexually active. Furthermore, 60% of single adults, including those who attend church regularly and participate in Bible studies, are not only sexually active, but have reported having sex with multiple partners. No wonder the world is in a crisis. No wonder teenagers are confused. No wonder there is danger in the streets. No wonder gang violence is at an all-time high. No wonder teen suicide has reached epidemic proportions. No wonder the dropout rate in high schools all over America is astronomical. No wonder young adults fail in life and come home to live with mom and dad. No wonder there is nothing for young people to believe in. No wonder the soul of America is peril. No wonder we fear for tomorrow. Says Satan, the great deceiver, the liar from the beginning, is riding roughshod throughout our land. And he asks this penetrating question, and I'm going to close on this. Who stands for the truth? Who stands for the truth? Man, I read that and it just pierced my heart. Do you? Do I? Would I be willing to have any one of you follow me around all day long, everywhere I go, every conversation that I share with other people, everything that I say and do? Would I be willing to have all of you follow me around? I've got to be able to get to the point in my life where I am not afraid of that. Each one of us need to be at that point in our life where we can have anybody follow us around all day long, all day, all night, everywhere. Weekend, Saturday night, doesn't make any difference. Follow me anywhere. See, that's what the Apostle Paul said. I've, led, I, I've lived this life as an example to you. Follow me anywhere you want to follow me. Listen to anything that I say, anything that I do. And if there's a conflict between what I pro project as an image and what's going on in my heart, I need to know that so I can stop being that. 
Are you willing to make that same statement? Who stands for the truth? What do your kids learn? They're going to learn. If you're honest, they're going to learn that. If you tell the truth, they're going to learn that. But if you come up with reasons to lie and deceive and manipulate for whatever your own manufactured reasons are in your mind, they're going to learn that too. And so are the people that you work with. And so are the people that work for you. And so are the people that you do business with. And so are your creditors. And so are your neighbors. And so are your relatives. Hey, you know what? That's why the hardest people sometimes to reach are our own family members. Because they see us live the hypocrisy. And they say, what is interesting in that for me? But man, when they see you as you really are, and they see what Christ has done in your life, then there's nothing greater, no stronger testimony that draws people to the loving forgiveness of God found in Jesus Christ when they see a life that's truly changed, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. Who stands for the truth? Man, I'll tell you what. I hope you do, and I hope I do, because that's my prayer. And if there's ever anything that isn't right in my life, I hope I've got people in my life who say, hey, you know what? You're preaching one thing, brother, but you're living another and you better straighten up and you better do what's right before God. Are you willing to have that same kind of accountability? It's the only thing that will keep us from falling into the sin of lying before God. And don't you ever forget, God hates it and He'll judge you for it. Who stands for the truth? Let's pray. God, help us to be people who are men and women of truth. You tell us that the truth will set us free. God, help us to be on the outside, which you know we are on the inside. May our character and our reputation always be the same thing. God, may we be men and women who stand for the truth. And the truth, according to what you say, is the word of God. You tell us to sanctify us or separate us in truth and that your word is truth. May we be men and women who believe wholeheartedly and demonstrate it by the way that we live, that your word is truth. God, help us not to be hypocritical. Help us to be vulnerable, transparent. When we make a mistake, to own up to it, to repent from it, to confess it. And also, there are times when we need to pay the price for what we've done. May we be that type of people. And may we be pleasing to you. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.